Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. We've got, a, I think, a fascinating topic and a, and a great um, guest with me on the program today. So we want to get right to some really important stuff. We've all been talking about and listening to reasons why there's this supply chain shortage, why, why we're not getting the stuff we need to get. And so I thought, you know, I know this guy, Tim Gooen, who has been in the trucking business for a long time. I bet he's got something to say about this. It would be important for you all to hear. So Tim Gooen's with me in the studio today. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Mike. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for allowing me to come in and talk about it. Yeah. So this the supply chain issue has been one that's been in the news for a long time and, and especially on talk radio. And we've heard a lot of people talking about the California situation as being one of the main culprits. And I know you've got some thoughts on that. We've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of different things, but we need to make sure that the listeners understand that you know what you're talking about. So we want to go into your background, Tim, and how how you got here today, uh, the how you got started in this, the trucking business and the different kinds of opportunities you've had over the years in the trucking industry that gives you the insight that we're going to we're going to pick on today to find out more about the supply chain issue. So give us a little background of how you got in the trucking industry. Well, I've been in the industry pretty much all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my stepfather was a truck driver and, um, you know, over the road, flatbed, steel. You know, when you think about our industry, it's it's hard working, right? It's yeah, you're it's, gone a lot. It, yeah, it's gone. You're gone a lot. Uh, it's rubber. It's diesel. It's oil. It's steel. It's yeah. a, it's a very manly, you know, industry. If you think about it, it is. And people talk about it being the heartbeat. And mm-hmm. you know, for me as a little kid, uh, like most young boys, especially, is that we love trucks. Is yeah. when we're small. Anything and with an it, engine that could do something with. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just uh, that just something in us. And I've always been that way. And you know, my 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 father, stepfather, would come home and on the weekends, and I'd wash that truck with him. You know, when we polish the really? rims and we uh. polish the tanks and all those things. So I've been in it all my life. Yeah. And uh, there was times that he took me in the summer on summer school break or whatever. And so I, you drive with him. I, I, ride. I, I ride would ride. With him. <laughs> I, I would eat, you were at the co-pilot. Right. Yeah. We'd, we'd stop at truck stops. I'd get snacks and uh, I'd sit in the passenger seat and uh, watch him drive, you know. and Well, that would, had to be an interesting experience just to, to see the kinds of things and, and people that he saw just on the road. Because my, my brother-in-law... Um, Jimmy Wayne Pond was, he's been deceased for a long time now, but he didn't drive a truck, but he drove a, a big motorhome for his business. Uh, and he sold clothing and he would go around everywhere. And and he was one of these guys that always ran into trouble. He, he would always, uh, be near the truck that blew a tire. He would always be near the, the truck that had caught the, the wheels caught on fire. <laughs> he, he would always be near that. I would never see anything like that, but he would always see it. So did you see a lot of things like that? Just I, I did, I, yeah. I did, and you know, uh, just 
just being a young person in there, it, you know, it was a real life. It, it, you got to experience all those things, yeah, right? And I yeah. remember us having, a, you know, a flat and having to go, okay. you know, get uh, get it changed on the side of the road. And, you know, it, it, not much different than that today, yeah. except there's a whole lot more involved in technology and things that we're able to do. And uh, reaction times are quicker and things like that. Yeah, yeah it, it gave me a pretty good idea and, you know, uh, raised in that. And, uh, you know, this, this, this trucker and my family supported me, and I got an education, went through university and graduated in 1988 uh-huh. and got out of there and uh, actually majored in political science, if you can believe that. Wow. And, yeah. What a, what a and, change there. And then I came home, and the job market was pretty tough in 1988. And Cooper Motor Lines um, over in Greer, South Carolina, just been purchased by Swift Transportation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had one opening over there for a management trainee, dispatch, and uh, I got the job, and the rest is history so now did you ever actually drive a truck as as part of your well part of part of the training was is that we we had a truck driving school there and um and uh, i got to go to truck driving school for three weeks okay right and uh and learn all the dot regs and you know everything and then uh you're able to do some range work and things like that but i never got out on the road you know i never got my license there was one you know i know a lot of guys that did get their license that, that, that came through and guys that worked in the office that were drivers that Ended up working Saturday and Sunday when they were needed. So I kind of, yeah. I valued my weekends. So I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't go sure. for that. And evenings. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. So uh, when you were uh, working at some of these, um, some of the bigger major uh, trucking companies, the kinds of duties that you had helped make you aware of what was really going on in the entire trucking industry, didn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, in, in the world that my dad was in, very different than than the full. You know, when you're talking about a 48 state operation mm-hmm. um and you have you're managing drivers uh you know my first role was customer service and then i moved over into driver management and you started to learn more about the equipment and the maintenance part of it mm-hmm. that i'd not been subject to uh and uh you start to learn about the lifestyle you know a lot of the drivers in the over the road truckload industry and what we talk about truckload as being a full truckload one customer one customer's freight on that truck, not partial like a FedEx oh, or UPS. Wow. So okay. you go to a, a Michelin, as an example, they load a full truckload of tires and you go deliver them. We don't touch the freight. We drop our trailers there. The customer loads them and we take full trailer loads to the destinations. Uh, a lot of okay. times that's raw materials. Sometimes it's finished goods. Uh, but the difference between what we call truckload and LTL, LTL is your less than truckload. So a pallet uh, okay. of... Uh, uh, you know, tires or instead of the full truckload. And then you have partial, which is package, you know, UPS and folks like that. Right. So uh, FedEx and that, that's a, that's a different, it's all three different uh, modes of transportation sure. just within trucking. Sure. What's your current role now with uh, USA truck? We're going to plug in for USA truck. And- I'm the uh, chief commercial officer and executive vice president. So my role is customer facing. I have responsibility for uh, a company we own Davis transfer and also for all of our uh, private fleet dedicated operations, which we will put a certain number of trucks at a customer to run just their business as a private fleet. So okay. I'm responsible for that and all of our sales and marketing. Okay. And and you've had a lot of different roles, though, with the other companies that you've been in cause for, 30, for 33, almost 34 years now that you've been doing this. And just as information, I, I met Tim originally because we serve on the board together at Miracle Hill. That I didn't 
we're not aware of each other at all. I don't think before that. That's right. And uh, so it's been a joy to, to hear him. He's got a, a great personal story uh, that we want to get to. We may or may not get to it by the end of the, the program today. If we don't, I'm going to to call on him to try to come back at a, at a future uh, talking money and talk some more about that story. Um, so um, I was sharing with you the other day on the phone. I, I went to had to go to Gaffney a couple of days ago on a uh, quick trip and I got up to almost the peachoid and going there and back on Wednesday morning, the number of trucks was they're doing construction. So that, that makes it all a little bit more precarious, but the number of trucks between here and there and there and here, it's like, these are bumper to bumper trucks. And, and on the way back, I even saw, I, I never would have even notice a usa truck except for now that uh, we've been more involved here and i saw the usa truck coming back the other way uh going back toward gaffney or charlotte where it was heading and i thought wow i gotta ask tim about this because if there's really all this supply chain issue and we're not being able to get trucks or find truck drivers or whatever there sure were a lot of trucks out there unless some of them were self-driving and i don't think we've gotten there yet um so is it is it uh, territorial as well? Like we may see more trucks on in certain areas of the country, certain days of the week, and so forth. What's uh, what's the deal there with that that the number of trucks on the road? Yeah, so it's it's not regulated. Uh, there was deregulation back many many years ago, back in the early '80s. Um, but today it's not it's not regulated. Um, you can run interstate. Um, a company in Greer, South Carolina, can run all the way to California. And um, oh, okay. it wasn't always like that. Right. You had to buy your authority in, in certain states to be, to be able to run in those states. But I today, thought it was still like that. How, long, not, did, how long ago did that change? That was early 80s. That was oh, it's early been that 80s. long? Yeah, okay. it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you see so many trucks. And, uh, you know, as, as the way things have just blossomed in our industry is that you don't, you know, warehousing and things like that. These trucks are partly rolling warehouses. When mm-hmm. you think about what we call JIT, just-in-time delivery i think about we we use the term the amazon effect okay right? i want you i'm gonna yeah. stop you right yeah. there because that, that's gonna be something to tease everybody okay. it's, it's very interesting to hear what the amazon effect is it's time for a break though and we want to get have it you an opportunity to ask tim a question if you've got a question about the supply chain we'll probably cover a lot what your questions are but we'd still love to hear them go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on the ask mike a question button and that'll get you right to a place where you can send me an email or just send an email directly to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We'll be right back. Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement, a network of 16 offices, including Greenville. Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas. Financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ronald Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. 
And welcome back to Talking Money. It's coming up uh, well, just past 19 past the hour. So glad you're with us. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. And my special guest, Tim Guin, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer for USA Truck. And he's got a lot of experience, 33 plus years of experience in the trucking industry. And when we've been listening to all this chatter about the supply chain congestion issue and so forth i thought well let's let's get it from somebody who is actually in that industry and he can tell us more about that and so of course we welcome your questions go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on the ask mike a question button and that'll get you right to a place where you can send me an email or just send an email directly to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com mike at talkingmoneyradio.com so before the break Tim, we were talking about the the Amazon effect, and I was asking you about all the trucks that I saw on the road on Wednesday morning going back and forth from Gaffney, and it just doesn't seem like there's a driver shortage here, but uh, there's a reason why there may be some more congestion, certainly in certain areas of the country, and you started calling it the Amazon effect. So what's the Amazon effect? Yeah, it's uh, so uh, yeah, I've been in the business for 33 years. I've seen more change in the last, thir- uh, last three years than I did in the first wow. 30. That's amazing. Uh, when you when you think about the mechanical part of trucking and the road and the asphalt, the DO Department of Transportation regulations and all the things that you, you know I learned about early on in my career and how you navigated that, you know even paper logs in those days and now mm-hmm. electronic ELDs, electronic mm-hmm. log devices. So you you, you know it's it lots changed and what you what you're seeing on the road is uh, there is actually 10 million CDL uh, holders. Commercial driver's license, 10 million. 10 million. Think about that. Wow. Yeah, and that's a big number. Now, that includes all commercial drive. It could be a straight truck van. That could be a a bus. It could be many different, a lot of things. things. Still a lot of people. Still a lot of people. But there's 3.6 million truck drivers of the 10 million, if if you you put that in context. 3.6 million. 3.6 million. There's 1.96 million heavy and tractor trailer drivers. So when we think about truck drivers, we think about van, straight truck. You know, you go rent a Hertz or whatever, uh, you right. know, and then yeah. you, you take that down to the heavy tractor trailer. There's 1.96 million tractor trailer heavy. And then for hire, when you think about the business that I'm in, uh, over the road truckload driver, mm-hmm. um, there's roughly 500 to 600,000. So that's why you see so many on the road. And why are they on the road? I think it, I saw at least a hundred thousand of those on you, Wednesday. You, you, if you run between, <laughs> uh, like if you run between Spartanburg and Charlotte, yeah, you, you're yeah. going to see a lot. So, and the I eighty five corridor is very busy right? mm-hmm. when you think oh, about yeah. what you know. It starts in Alabama. I mean, it really starts in Alabama, comes through Atlanta, then you mm-hmm. you know Greenville's a, a, a bigger metro area now, and then you have Charlotte, and you go on up. It connects to ninety five, and it goes up. to the northeast. Right. So there's a lot of truck traffic. I ninety five as another. You know, when you go go to Florida, you get on ninety five. Lots of trucks, trucks. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why you see so much there, uh, but the Amazon effect uh, is what it. When you go shopping on the internet and you click on an item and you look at that item, whether it's on an Amazon site or whatever browser you're using, mm-hmm. uh, with technology today, if that particular item is in Long Beach, California, in a warehouse, um, they say, "Okay, Mike clicked on this. Mike might buy this. Mike might not buy it." But Mike's in an area where people are thinking like Mike. At this time of year, it's sunny at the lake or something in the middle of June, and you're trying. You're looking at a float. Uh-huh. They start the transportation of that float the minute you click on it. From California to South Carolina. Yeah, 
or anywhere else yeah. in, in the country. Wow. It could be Mexico. So that's fascinating and also scary. It, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it, it, it Big is. Brother's like watching me what I'm clicking on and, right. and tracking that so they can it really helps me in the end if I want an item because right. it's going to get her. My wife, I mentioned this to my wife yesterday and she says, yes, I, I ordered, I can't remember what it was, but I, I got it like the next day. How did I, how did I get it so quickly? Well, this is the Amazon effect. It is. It's exactly what it is. So that product uh-huh. uh, is in a warehouse close to you. Uh, and when you order it, you're going to get it the very <laughs> next day. Now, if you back up to 1990 or 1988, when I started in this industry, um, you might get it in a week, yeah. but it might sit in a warehouse in Greenville, South Carolina for three weeks. So you mm. think about all the waste in those days mm-hmm. and warehousing something that you might sell because you don't know if people are even interested in it unless the store is actually ordering it, right. you know, cause you, yeah. you personally was, were not ordering it. You were going to Walmart or wherever you were, go- you know, you shopped to get the item. So Walmart would call the DC or the uh, supply chain person at the front of the supply chain and say, you know, we need 150 of these floats in the store in Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then they wait to see if they sell them. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you want to really mess up Amazon, you go on the, on the website and you just keep on clicking on all, all different kinds of things, whether you're interested in them or not. And they're well, going to start shipping these things. Well, if enough people do it, yes, yeah. but just you alone, it's <laughs> no. not going to affect okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I tried. I thought that might be kind of fun, but no, we don't want to do that. So, so Amazon effect, let's get back up because what we hear so much about these days is the trucking bottleneck that comes from the ships that are sitting off the shore there in California. Yep. They're not able to lo- on, offload these um, tankers. And, and one of the reasons they can't is because there's nobody to take it off their hands because California has these restrictions on on how uh, new a truck needs to be in order to operate in California. So there's fewer and you have people waiting on the border of Arizona or whatever, waiting for these trucks to come back and, and taking them over. That's what we're hearing. So how much of that is really going on and how big of an effect is that? It's, it's part <clears throat> of the equation. Um, this is a perfect storm of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And what really exacerbated it was COVID, uh, you know, labor mm-hmm. uh, there for a while, shortened <clears throat> up, people uh, home, um, you know, mass mandates, uh, irregular shipping activities. I mean, one of our largest consumer products, comp- uh, companies we do business with, said they had over 600 new SKUs during COVID. Uh, and a SKU is a new product. Uh, in, or, or, you know, and you see, when you think about that, it's like, they have gone from shipping these type items to shipping these other type items. Okay. Uh, you know, when you think about how much uh, tissue, much more tissue, uh, mask, uh, things like that, people uh, begin uh, staying at home and, you know, people started consuming more in the home uh, and, and, you know, right. the buy, buying Different product. products. So, yeah. you know, that started really the chain uh, because in trucking, trucking companies try, try to build networks. And you, when I think about USA or if you want to, you know, talk about our company. We primarily run our trucks east of Texas, north of Minnesota. So, you know, we run Dallas, Chicago, Memphis, Arkansas, where our hubs are, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Carlisle, Pennsylvania. You know, they, those are places where we where our network is fluid, and in, and and also in Florida. So, um, we build our networks around that. So, when you take a rolling warehouse, you're actually moving it from yeah, one of those cities to yeah. another city mm-hmm. and 
you engineer that. Um, our sales team goes out, works with customers, help them with you know provide capacity in those marketplaces, and you design it based on the freight that you win. And there's lots of technology behind that. Wow. And uh, and so we can predict uh, how many trucks we're going to have in a certain area of the country on a certain day at a certain time. And we can also somewhat predict prior to COVID what was actually going to ship. Okay. Yeah. And and, all, and COVID changed that because all of a sudden that truck that went from Dallas to Chicago, that landed in Chicago that we expected to go to Atlanta, okay. might have went to Pennsylvania, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where our term or might have, and you might have had 10 or 15 extra over there and nothing. And then the supply chain starts to knot up. All right. So how did yeah. that, how did that affect California though? So the, the new trucks that they're supposed to, that what we've heard is you had to have a truck that was no older than three years right. to be able to even operate in California to take you from the coast to the, to where all those ports were and they were all the backup was to get across California. Absolutely. So the, the clean air uh, acts and, and California is just part of it. Yeah. You know, there's there's been a lot of uh, you know the AB five is a bill that that's been been shot down temporarily, I guess. I hope, but uh, you know, it it really was come about with Uber and uh, you know those type of operations, the contractor employee uh, definition, yeah. and so uh, employers that were hiring contractors in California were very hesitant to expand in California. As an example, because if you have a contractor who decides to come to work when they want to because they're a contractor, um, unreliable, you had to treat them like an employee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're afraid to make that commitment. Yeah. So less trucks in California and less operations in California. Wow. Yeah. So do you see that? And we just have a a few seconds here left for the bottom of the hour. So do you see that improving in California? uh, I don't don't see it improving right now. It's going to improve long term, but right now I don't. All right, you got a question for Tim Guen, Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer for USA Truck. We'd love to hear from you. Go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on the Ask Mike a Question button, and that'll get you right to a place where you can send me an email. Or just send an email directly to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we'll talk more about this California issue and some equipment shortage, driver shortages, all that kind of fun stuff when we get back with the second half of Talking Money. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 25 before the hour here on Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. Glad you're with us today. Talking about the supply chain congestion issue. 
with an expert in this area, Tim Guin, who is the executive vice president and chief commercial officer for USA Truck, has been in the trucking business for 30, almost 34 years. So he's got uh, a little bit of experience behind him. So when you hear him talking about different things, I think you can probably trust what he says because he's been there and done that. So before the break, we were talking about the the congestion in the ports in California and the issue with the new trucks coming across California and so forth and and how that's really gotten a bottleneck with the, the actual container ship. So talk to me more about, and you showed me a picture, which, of course, we can't show people of where these trucks are. Talk to me about what California is doing even for the ships that are coming in. Yeah, so when you, you think about the administration today, the Biden administration mandating 24-hour workdays in California, that mm-hmm. has to, that had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was a day operation and, yeah. you know, yet as of the 28th of uh, January, there was a total ship backup of a hundred, uh, these container ships. Now okay. to put it in perspective, hundred ships, hundred ships, each one of these ships have anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 containers. Those are 48 foot. Yeah. These are big containers. Yeah. Containers that are, that eventually you see on the road, you know, when you yeah. see, a USA truck. It's usually a white, shiny truck with a you know star and bar logo. Yeah, sure. But the containers are the ones you may see coming out of Charleston that are the steel heavy on a chassis, an orange uh, chassis with the tandem wheels on the bottom, and then right. the container sits right on top of it. So that's what, when I say containers. That's that's what's coming across the water. Wow. Okay. And you know, a lot of our people think about end products coming from China, but there's also a lot of raw materials that come from China. To build things, to build cars, okay. chips, okay. all the things we hear about, right? right. Chip shortage and, mm-hmm. and those things. And so there's a hundred backed up as of the, as of, as of the 28th. And, and so California said, hey, you know, you get within 25 miles of the port because of all the congestion and all the anchoring uh, for, you know, that they'd been sitting out there for weeks. Uh, we're going to start billing you $100 per container. So if you got 10,000 containers on your ship or 20, that's 10,000, $20,000 a day. Yeah. Uh, so when that happens, that's just because you're within 25 miles, right. but you have to be, if you're about to, if you're about to land, yeah. do they do that the day one you get there? Or is it, if you've been there for so long, well, you try to, they try to schedule things, but the you know, okay. problem with day labor and just getting people to work yeah. and getting everything is a bottleneck of containers and chassis in LA where truckers have brought them in to export. And then the ships are backlogged. It's really a labor situation. Okay. You know, people think that it's a law that, that California, that bad state or yeah, whatever. Right. It's really, and you know, there's some things that they can do obviously to relieve it, but it's really about people coming to work. Yeah. And it really goes back to what I said earlier. There's a lot of moving parts to this thing. Yeah. And when the example I used earlier about the network, if something gets out of kilter within a network, not just USA's, but anybody's imbalances start. And that's where it really started. Lack of labor imbalances in LA uh, you know, you, there's 31 uh, container ships right now that are anchoring uh, right now uh, and inside 25 miles. They're, they're at low speed, but there's also 131 container ships just right outside that berth. Wow. So if you think think wow. about that. So what's That's happening a lot of material. is it is. So then uh, when you think about there's another 95 uh, that are slow steaming right now toward or, or loitering what they say, loitering outside that uh, that region. Uh, so it's it's still backing up. It's mm-hmm. getting better uh, than it was. I, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the graph right now, and it has tapered off and started to come down just because 
you know, more people are, are working the, working that equipment and trying to get everything un, unloaded there. But uh, it's going to be a while before yeah. it cleans up. So we've heard uh, people from the ports in Tampa and places like that that said, hey, we welcome all these ships to come. So what would be the advantage of some of those trucks, those ships going from the ports in California and going down around the south and the Panama Canal, whatever, and getting over to the Gulf Coast and trying to unload there? Would there they acted like there wasn't the same labor shortage there and maybe they just don't have as many trucks so it's not as big of a deal yeah, can they do that it's, it's always been cheaper to ship to la and uh, really? long beach always and it's the economics are there because you have a port in oakland northern california that mm. has capacity oh um typically what happens in asia they don't ship to oakland without stopping off in long beach or, or la and mm. uh, uh it's economics right okay. so you, okay. you know you got that big ship and you want to load as many as you can you don't want a half ship going to oakland uh, so that's the economics uh, behind gotcha. that. And okay. then, you know, there's been a lot of progress in Savannah and Charleston, as an example, in our region, especially Charleston, uh, uh, dredging get, uh, for bigger ships. And we started to see bigger uh, tow news come through uh, Charleston. They've done an amazing job down there. BMW, you know, Michelin, a lot of the uh, industry we have here, they use uh, the port of Charleston. Right. Um, Panama Canal. I mean, there is a way, right? But it's slower takes yeah. longer yeah so it's a balance between can we truck this out of out of uh, california are we going to send this ship all the way around through the panama canal and go to you know the eastern right. ports jacksonville savannah charleston you know uh, new jersey are we going to be is, what's the economics to that yeah and uh, there is economics to it but uh, right now because of labor everywhere uh they're just dealing with just the problem wait. the best they can worth the way right right so how about um just shortages you talk about labor shortages what about uh, equipment shortages because I mean all of us are seeing sh- shortages like you said with chips and other things that are preventing cars uh, we're trying to find a different car for my daughter and and the, the kind we think we need for her to fit her particular disabilities and so forth we just can't fit. it's not here and so I've got a couple of dealerships waiting to, to call me as soon as they get one there so we can go take a look at it because if we don't do it right away it's going to be gone in three hours uh, so is that affecting the trucking industry and their equipment too? Absolutely. You know, okay. when you, when you think about for anybody that's uh, been in manufacturing, you understand three throughput. So by the time you sell something and all the way through the manufacturing process, all the way to, to deliver it, it mm-hmm. is, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of accordion in that, you right. know, and right. it's, it's, it's labor. Like I talked about it. It, it's also equipment. So for us at USA, we, we, we have 2,000 drivers, uh-huh. as an example. And so, and, you know, and that's not the biggest trucking company. Oh, no. The, <laughs> the, the largest fleet is around 18,000. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but so we're inside the top 30, 35 <clears throat> carriers in the country. But, you know, it, it, this, this equipment thing's a problem. Yeah. Um, uh, when you go buy a truck, a, a big truck today, right. um, it, you know, 18 wheels, uh, there's a lot of technology on that truck that people don't realize. All the things that you can get on a car, uh, as far as collision avoidance, yeah, so lane departures, yeah. uh, speed monitoring, and our trucks for safety reasons. When you see a billboard with an attorney on it that says, have you been hit by a truck lately? Yeah. <laughs> Call me. Um, you know, there's a lot of litigation that goes on in the trucking industry. So there's right. some barriers to entry because people are afraid of that. So you do things. Uh, you know, the reason that we're we're a big company. Uh, we put cameras in forward-facing cameras, rear-facing cameras, just like in your car. But we also have inward-facing cameras. Okay, for so the driver. For a driver. Yeah. So you, you think about that driver, 
Does he really like that? He doesn't. And all of a sudden, he's being supervised where he had a right. job that he really liked was unsupervised. Yeah. Right? But the, the, it's, it's not recording. It's actually it's on a loop. And if there's a, an event, like a hard-breaking event, the recording will back up and the loop will back up 10 seconds and start to record. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's challenges there. But we've done a really good job of um, bringing drivers in and professional drivers. And, uh, but the thing is, is the truck and trailer piece, you're talking about equipment yeah, piece. Right, right. We can hire drivers today, but there's no trucks. I mean, our truck uh, order's been put off for months um, okay. with this chip shortage. Okay. Um, this technology I'm talking about on these trucks, you know, having to make decisions. Some carriers are making decisions to to buy them without the some of the technology on them just to get them going. Mm-hmm. Uh, these trucks typically run about five years. The average age of our truck is right under three. Oh, and okay. you do that, these bigger companies, because of warranty work and maintenance cost. Okay. Uh, just like you would so if you had a fleet. It's less yeah. expensive. Yeah. And, you, and you're able to capitalize on new trucks and new efficiencies right, right. and the fuel economies and things like that. There are new trucks, but you can't get the trucks. And not only that, you can't get trailers today. And uh-huh. it's and it all rolls back again to COVID and labor. Wow. Uh, uh-huh. You know, when people are there for a while getting checks in the mail. Yeah. That were lower right. hourly people. Yeah. They're yeah. not. They're not going to yeah. work, and wow. that's that's what we've got ourselves into. All right. So we're talking about the uh, supply chain congestion issue with uh, my special guest Tim Guin, who is executive vice president and chief commercial officer for USA Truck. So we want your questions. We're going to come up. We have uh, one text, uh, Tim, so far that uh, we want to we'll, we'll answer after get you to answer after the break. Uh, texter says, "I heard that there are plans for the U.S. truckers to have a convoy, like what happened in Canada. Can you confirm that? And if so, what are the details?" We'll be back in just a few minutes with the last segment of Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. One division is Everyday Steward, which serves clients who are just getting started. To those with an investable net worth ranging from 100000 up to a million. For those desiring objective, biblical principles in their investments, cash flow management, financial planning, which includes retirement, insurance, tax, and estate, and their giving, Ronald Blue Trust's Everyday Steward Advisors can serve as their clients' stewardship coaches so they can focus on a living a life of purpose. For more information about Everyday Steward and the other divisions of Ronald Blue Trust, they can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And we've got about 11 minutes, 12 minutes here left in Talking Money today. My special guest, Tim Guin, Chief Commercial Officer and Executive Vice President for USA Truck. We're talking about the supply congestion, supply chain congestion issue. And we're just uh, kind of touching the surface here, it looks like today. So, and, and I really want to get to Tim's personal story. Um, and he's got a fascinating story of just how he got here today personally that I think would be an encouragement and uh, to, to everyone listening. And and also, so he's, he's agreed to come back in two weeks. Uh, won't be here next week, but two weeks he'll come back and we'll uh, try to wrap up that story. So before the break, we list the, mentioned the question. The texture said, I heard that there are plans for the U.S. truckers to have a convoy like what happened in Canada. Can you confirm that? And if so, what are the details? All right, so Tim, what's going on? Is there such a thing? It sounds good. Yeah. But really, uh, when you think about our What's it mean, have a convoy? Uh, block, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess uh, similar to what's going on in Canada today where a lot of truckers lined up, you yeah. know, and 
just uh, which is what they talk about when they're when they're going to be autonomous vehicles. They would all be lined up in one lane because they'd have the lane assist, and I guess to keep it safe, they'd yeah. all be in that one lane eventually. But that's 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 for two weeks from now. Yeah, but, that might be way after I'm retired. But yeah. uh, we'll talk about that another time. But yeah. you know that it, it's it's really. When you think about those 500,000 trucks yeah. uh, that, that I talked about earlier, uh, you wouldn't, you, know, you don't believe the number I'm going to give you, but you realize that 93% of that 500,000 has less than 15 trucks. Those companies only have 15 or less trucks. There's a lot really? of different small niche trucking operators out okay. there and to be able to organize they're regional, they're right. local they're like yeah. regional trucks yeah okay. with different interests uh, different mm-hmm. regions of the country um you know and I, i've told you this one of the things i love about this industry mm-hmm. you're not going to find a harder working more patriotic god-fearing american than you're going to find in the trucking industry yeah. you're just not yeah you know, you see it going down the road. Some guys have crosses in their trucks, and we see the bad images. One guy out of 500,000 yeah, yeah. might make you mad, and you say, there's truckers pushing out <laughs> yeah, long, you know. That's right. But at the end of the day, it's very diversified across the – and being able to organize something like that is usually independent owner-operator type companies. Mm-hmm. They can go do that. But, uh, you know, companies like ours, and, you know, we although we su- maybe support things, certain things uh, – as a, as an organization, we don't we don't want to impact our industry and the productivity and moving products from A to B when we know that it may or may not have a large impact. So it's a lot of the smaller guys that will do that. So but I haven't heard no anything. Convoys, no, not not happening here. No, okay. not, uh, that so, I know. Now it could happen with five or trucks, but that'd be disruptive, and the media might make it look like 150. But right. you know, there, there might be five out there. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I'll share with you one pet peeve I have with a trucker. Okay, right. and you can tell me why they do this. So I'm driving along, and I'm in the passing lane coming up, not to the truck yet, but coming up on a truck, and there and those couple trucks together and and one obviously in front is going slower than the one in back and and it, it's like they wait until they're going uphill to get in the passing lane it's like it would, it's the hardest thing for the truck to do is to keep up their speed going uphill and and so the other truck of course i'm sure is slowing down and they pull out right in front of you as they're going uphill so you know you're gonna have to wait until you've gone all the way up that hill so i get impatient sometimes doing that. It's like why that trucker just doesn't stay behind there and wait till he's going downhill and pass well there's an experience everywhere isn't there <laughs> i mean it, some guys are safe and safe conscious and yeah. you know and uh, good uh, good partners on the road with yeah. motorists but um, sometimes somebody might make a poor decision and when you talk these, these trucks weigh eighty thousand pounds i know i'm not gonna and you can i'm misjudge. not gonna challenge it i'm not yeah. gonna challenge him he's, he's gonna do whatever he wants yeah. to do <laughs> you can misjudge it and you can misjudge the truck in front of you what what their intentions are and that's the thing about autonomous vehicles going forward is when you get a human behavior and technology together they're not consistent with each other and uh, that's going to be interesting to watch how how a machine will act, react versus a person and them together in the same environment when the machine thinks the person should act a certain way it's going to be kind of interesting. Okay, so another text came in uh, for you. It says, with the problematic driver shortage, how do you recruit young drivers for a role that could be replaced with self-driving trucks in the future? Which, as you already alluded to, that's down the road. It's we're down, not, we're it's not down there the road. Yet, we, you know, there's uh, there's several of them out there, Kodiak, Way, Waymo, and, uh, you know, several of the, of the OEMs. Uh, out there that are building trucks today or well it sounds like the thought is that why would i as a young driver want to go to work for a trucking company no. if i know it's only going to be for five years or 10 years it's going to be longer it's going to be longer it's going to be 10 years plus yeah and okay. you know, hey, have you ever got on a 
airplane and know that it's flies itself right for the most part sure. right autopilot but there's still pilots in that truck right, right. i mean in that, in that plane and the reason is when you think about it, there's a lot of barriers to that there's uh you know the motoring public are we going to accept the technology the infrastructure yeah. uh there's going to you know obviously get uh, there's going to be legal aspects who's liable uh with for that truck now that's if a driver's not going to be in there there's a lot of questions to be answered and we believe when you think about this eighty thousand pound vehicle that is that is loaded with technology can be hacked. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So when you think about driving into a, a mall or a downtown area with explosive or eighty thousand pounds of uh, material on a truck, yeah. is are we gonna accept that? Right. Without yeah. anybody in it. Well, uh, my my and, thought yeah. has been with uh, especially with self driving car cars, not trucks is that I don't think the technology is going to work until every car is self-driving. If there's any human that's driving their car, then the other technology can't overcompensate for them being uh, doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just can't do it. So everybody's got to be able to have their hands off and then let the technology, and there still be mistakes, not as many as there would be with, with we humans taking care of it, but still, and the same as trucks. I think with trucks, wouldn't be able to do it by themselves unless there is a dedicated lane that nobody else goes into and, and they don't have to worry about those kinds of events happening. Uh, but just otherwise it's, it's going to be down the road, but you know, I, we had the same thing in our industry. So people would say that the uh, go back to the CPAs, like when TurboTax and some of those tax uh, softwares got so advanced that they can help you do your tax returns. Like, wow, there's the end of the industry, or at least it's going to be drastically reduced. Well, that didn't happen. There's still as many CPAs, I think, as there ever were. And in the financial industry, we say, okay, we've got these robo-advisors that, okay, these robo-advisors are going to take over, and there's not going to be a need for me anymore. So, well, I can tell you, there's still going to be a need because that robo-advisor just can't ask all the questions that I can ask. There's just there's just no way in the sense, and, and can't put experience, you can't put experience in there. So the same as a driver of a truck, you can't, put all that autonomous software in there enough to offset completely the experience that a truck driver has. Yeah, it's machine learning. And you, you answered it better than I could, actually. You, <clears throat> you just answered the question. But, <laughs> you know, the, the problem that we have in the industry is uh, I believe there will always be somebody in the cab of that truck, uh, similar to, you know, the, the, the airline industry, um, even with the technology because of all the things that we just said. But right now there is a pilot program for 18 year olds for those of you that don't know i've heard about that you have to be 21 years old to to get in the trucking industry and uh hey when i was a kid smoking the bandit uh bj and the bear (laughs) you know the cbt search trucking was kind of a cool thing yeah right yeah well as time has gone on and you think back i'm gonna say probably three four terms ago three terms ago four terms ago uh, we said that every American deserves a college education and we have all this college debt and a lot of young people are going to college and there's less trade opportunities right. because it's not cool. You yeah. know, it's cool to be work. working for an internet company or yeah. working in, you know, all the things that the young generation have my own podcast. Right. Exactly. Own, you know, exactly. Everybody's yeah. a journalist that yeah. has a laptop. Right. <laughs> so for, for me, it's uh, that was the beginning of this. Um, we, we just don't have enough people in our industry. And the 18-year-old, 21-year-old barrier for us, when you think about a trade school, is you, got, you graduate from high school, you got three, three years before you could ever get in the industry. Yeah. And uh, there's been apprenticeships and mentorships. Some companies start people out in the warehouse, and then they end up 
you know, you know, several companies have programs like that. And then by the time you're 21, you get in. I remember a time we, I remember a requirement was 23. What drives that? Insurance. Okay. Uh, litigation. Uh, the billboards we see. Uh, is anybody ready to risk putting a 18 or 19 year old in the cab of a 80,000 80, pound vehicle running 65 to 70 miles an hour yeah. on I-85? There's a lot of liability there. So is the industry, yeah. is your company, USA Truck, and other industry in favor of lowering the age some or not? We're not sure. We, okay. we, we, so we, the jury's we, still we, out. We, I think it takes a special kind of 18, 19-year-old okay. maturity to handle being away from home and, a, and being sure. responsible for, yeah. for somebody's life, uh, somebody's life right beside you on, on an interstate. So, you know, yeah, we look at it at USA. Uh, we, we've talked about it. We haven't done anything with it. And, and the pilot program just has just been announced here right. in the last you right. know, 30 days or so. We're going to watch it. Now, you can run uh, interstate, uh, intrastate, um, inside of a state, intrastate with 18 now and have been for a while, some states. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm going to tell you what, there's 80,000 jobs available in the trucking industry. And there's told, how many truckers again? Half a million? How many, yeah, how many actual truckers? Yes. Five, 600,000. Yeah. And, uh, and there's 80,000 80, 80, openings. openings. 80,000 openings. And they're pretty good paying jobs too. You just have to, it comes along with Mike, being away from home and stuff like that. In yeah. the Northeast and some markets in Chicago, we, we're paying drivers over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. With a high school diploma yeah. or a GED equivalent. Um, we're we're a we're a veteran proud company and we hire a lot of veterans now we'll we'll hire drivers and train don't have to train them as much you know the 88 mics they call them that heavy equipment operators in the military come out uh, and we okay. we really really like having them because you, it's a maturity level there yeah. and uh, some experience level there and we don't we, we train them and they they're used to working the you know on heavy equipment so we like that so used there's a lot working, of different used ways to working stuff yeah, there exactly <laughs> yeah <to> exactly yeah. <laughs> wow so we just got a minute to go so the the uh, shortage there in drivers and so forth. How, how maybe to put a plug in for somebody listening that may want to be a driver, how long is the driver typically away from home? Are they gone uh, Monday to Friday or is it usually just a couple of days? How long are they usually gone? Again, we, we, we go back to talking about the Amazon effect. Uh-huh. You want your package today. We, we compete with a lot of the straight trucks and things like that, yeah. but the drivers are not out as long as they used to. It's, right. it's, uh, we, we get them home weekly, sometimes nightly. Sometimes okay. they're out two or three it's nights and they're back. It depends. There's lots of jobs available for that. All right. Well, thank you, Tim, for joining me. We'll look forward to having you back in a couple of weeks to talk uh, some of finished talking about this and also talk about uh, your own personal story. We're looking forward to that. But thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having all me. All right. Mike. That's all the time we have today for Talking Money. 800 588 If you want to give me a call at the office to have another question for me, look forward to speaking to you next week for the next edition of Talking Money. 